Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. He's got to keep living, man. L.I.V. Yeah. This part, no fun. Get away from her, you bitch. Welcome to the show. Take your seats, grab your snacks. Welcome to the Nerd Check Movie Club. Uh, thanks for joining us. I am Jeff, your host. Uh, but we have a guest with us today. Welcome uh, for the first time to this podcast, Dr. Aaron McDonald. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I just want to nerd out about movies and stuff. <laughs> Yay. That's that's what I want to do. That's why I want to just have this fun movie club. We can be nerds and talk about any random thing that we want. It's yeah, fun. It's great. I'm here for it. Awesome. Um, yeah, you've done the Nerd Trick podcast a couple, uh, a couple times. You did our science of episode with Tamara, which was great. That's that's one of my yeah. favorites. Um. Yeah, and then you've you've been busy. You have a book out and all kinds of shit. A little bit busy. Yes, yeah, so you've been much, a smidge. So much shit. Um, yeah, I had a Star Trek. My first book of space came out earlier last month, about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, in conjunction with Rob Perlman wrote a book called Star Trek: My First Book of Colors. So together, they're like a little nice steam package. Nice. And they are board books targeted technically to zero to two, but we're finding like kids of all ages love them because especially like Rob's has like beautiful illustrations and awesome colors and like cartoons and tons of awesome stuff. I have like all these space pictures and lots of spacecraft in it, like a lot of Star Trek ships. And so um, people seem to really love them. And it's a perfect time of the season for those good old stocking stuffers. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Great. I just picture it. It's like, can you say red? Red is for red dwarf star. That would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Green is for Gorn. <laughs> See? It's great. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's educational an awesome. and fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. You're you are officially a pu- a pu- published author now. I am indeed, and I love it. And I'm very honored that it is both a space and a Star Trek book for kids. Like that is my perfect demographic for writing. That's great. Yeah, I mean, start them off young. That's the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Lure them in with science and, and coolness. And then wallop them with Star Trek. <laughs> you will like this. All of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, you know what? Let's let's not talk about Star Trek for, for the next hour or so. Let's talk about yeah. something so much different. You're So you have told me on multiple occasions, your favorite movie of all time is a galaxy quest. Is that true? It's so good. It is a <laughs> thousand percent my favorite movie. I came to this realization about like 10 years ago, probably where it was like, just trying to think about what really is your favorite movie. Like there are good movies. There are great movies. There's movies we love. And it's like, for me, galaxy quest is a perfect freaking movie. <laughs> I, it so is. excited to talk about Galaxy Quest. Yeah. <laughs> so why is Galaxy Quest your favorite? Um, I think it's like, I mean, I love comedy. That's always been sort of a, a core of mine. I love to laugh. I love stories that make me laugh. 
Um, I love that it is a parody of Star Trek, but like, honestly, I watched Galaxy Quest before I really knew about like the Star Trek scene, but it is parodying enough of that culture that even if you have no exposure to Star Trek, like you get it, right? You get the jokes, but it's not making fun. Like it's not punching down. And I think, again, even if you're like not a Star Trek fan, you get that sense when you're watching Galaxy galaxy quest you're like i am not being mocked i'm not being made fun of like this is done with love people get it um absolutely also i do think it's tim allen's greatest work um i think sigourney weaver is brilliant and for those of you who may not be aware alan rickman was Mm. my first love (laughs) my first true love i know everything about alan rickman I wrote to him about a dozen times when I was a teenager. I finally got a signed photograph back. I know nice. everything about that man. He, I got a tattoo of a quote of his uh, when he passed away in 2016. Um, I, Which quote? So, Can I ask? Uh, yeah, it's, it's called, It's a Human Need to be Told Stories. Ooh, and like that, that really resonated with me. Like that, I feel, is so true to who I am as a human. Mm. And how I think we connect with people as human beings. And yeah, I mean, I, I, think I loved Alan. I loved Alan Rickman. And I say that big capital L loved Alan Rickman. Um, he will never know that, but I was in love. And so for me to have a comedy sci-fi, a parodying Star Trek and fandom starring Alan Rickman. Yes. <laughs> possibly the greatest combination of things in the world (laughs) it's so good and it does so many things like i mean yes there's those kind of deep cuts in like you know jokes about star trek but also kind of like nerddom and the whole con scene like if you know anything about cons like it is spot on um when i watched it recently well because obviously this came out what 20 it came out in 1999 Shit. Yeah, 23 right. years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I think one of the funniest things is when they're doing autographs and they're like, oh, it's $15. I'm like, what? Who charges no. $15? That's so cheap. <laughs> it was so cheap. I was jealous. Oh, my God. So <laughs> but this, this is a stacked cast. I mean, yeah, uh, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, who, I mean, and she's funny in this. She's really good. And she, and she doesn't do a ton of comedies. Uh, nope. Alan, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, yeah. uh, Rain Wilson is in this randomly. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, oh God, I forgot his name. Uh, he, he plays guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, he's so good. Is that like classic guy? I'm, I'm just guy. Yeah. I've been going to try I can't, I can't spend this entire hour just quoting galaxy quest, but um, yes, I, do need to, I, <laughs> I do need to look him up. Uh, the full name is Guy Fliegman, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sam Rockwell. That's Sam it. Rockwell, yes. Yeah. Academy Award yeah. winner Sam Sam Rockwell. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really a fan. And it's such a mix, too, I think, of actors that it's like the hardcore, very serious actors like Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman. And then the bros. <laughs> the bros, yeah. You know what's funny is I think the first time I, I mean, I because I remember seeing Alan Rickman like in Robin Hood, of course, you know, I'm going to cut his heart out with a spoon and, and that. And then I think the thing that really like settled it for me was I saw him in Dogma. And I'm a huge mm. Kevin Smith fan. 
Um, and I saw Dogma before I saw any of the other Kevin Smith movies. So it's like, and it's the most fucking weirdest movie compared to all the other ones. And that's saying something for Kevin Smith. Accurate. Yeah. And so, and then seeing him in this, you're just like, God, he can just do everything. He is a God among men. He just commits so wholeheartedly. I love, he won a BAFTA for um, playing Robin, uh, the sheriff in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And he went up and during his speech, he said, um, thank you for this award because every time I look at it, I will remember that subtlety is not everything. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. And also fun fact, again, I also won't spend the entire time talking about Alan Rickman facts, but he, um, for those of you who may not be aware, there is an extended edition of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves because he had a whole B plot that Kevin Costner felt stole the entire story. So oh. he cut about 13 minutes of footage of Alan Rickman from the story and actually got an editing credit for that. So there is a un-Kevin Costner edited version of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves out there that has a whole B-plot with Alan Rickman. And it's as glorious as you can imagine. <laughs> That's amazing. I need to find that now. Is it, is it uh, like some bootleg out there? Or can you find like an official well, release they, of it? They literally, I mean, oh, I don't know how easy it is to find these days. But uh, about 20 years ago, you could get a extended yeah. edition DVD oh, that had the... Thing on there. It was an official release, so yeah, for sure, it definitely nice. exists. Yeah. So this is this is a random side note. I I do miss those days where like they were pumping out everything on DVD of like extended oh release, God. director's cuts. Like you walk into Best Buy and there's just rows upon rows of DVDs because I love yeah. physical media. I yeah. it's you know if it goes off a streaming service, then you never have it again. So I I miss those days of just like scouring for DVDs and those random yeah. Shows. Me too. And I spent most of like the early 2000s and early 2010s traveling. And so unfortunately, like those collections did not stay with me. Yeah. And I really do miss them. Um, I remember my favorite example of that was the uh, they released X-Files DVD packages that were just story arcs. So it was like oh. they literally just pulled out the episodes that related to like, you know, the black. Um, oh, the goo. Goo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best word I could think about it. Or it was literally just that. Or it was like, and you could just oh. buy DVDs. It was like two or three DVDs with about eight to ten episodes that were just that story arc. And it was great. I owned all of them. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, they kind of did that with Star Trek. They'd have like a Borg collection mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right on. I love it. Um, yeah, but Galaxy. Oh, and then like Justin Long. I think Justin Long is, yeah. is the, the most like fanboy fanboy. Yes, and and he's perfect for it. Um, and it just that's what I think kind of makes my heart happy is because he he goes on a bit of a journey as as well. Like he's so in love with the show, and then he kind of gets you know re- rejected by Tim Allen, and then he's like, I knew it was all real. It's this is yeah. amazing, and we're all going to save the world. I do think that's one of my favorite moments of the entire movie is where they get they swapped comms. He finally gets him on the communicator, and he's like, look. I know it's just a TV show. I'm sorry I embarrassed you. And it's like, look, it's real. Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so His great. eyes it light up. That little fan in all of us. We know that feeling. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you ever, so there is a documentary about Galaxy Quest called Never Surrender. Have you watched that? I did. I watched it in its one night release in the theaters. And I have seen Ooh. it a couple times since then. Yeah. 
It's so good. And that's what kind of gave me a lot more, as much as I love Galaxy Quest, watching mm-hmm. that was like, okay, now I really like it because they talked to the writers and they're like, yeah, we're kind of making fun of it, but the, the, but they were big fans themselves. And yeah. it's like, if you can't poke fun at, because Star Trek can be nonsense, you know, Star Wars can be nonsense and, and that's okay. Cause there is some bullshit and nonsense in there. And if you can't laugh at yourself, then, yeah. then what's, what's the point? That's yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's like, you can have so many different flavors of sci-fi comedy, especially mm-hmm. when sci-fi has this rich, cultural um awareness of nerds and fandom and it's so easy for sci-fi comedy to punch down at Mm -hmm. that culture and i just think galaxy quest just addresses it head on but also Mm -hmm. makes us feel like we're part of the story it's it's our story you know um i also love i mean so you have the whole fandom the convention side of everything as well but then just like the thermians themselves yeah. who like truly believe all of that and, and don't want to be heartbroken. It's just, Oh, it's... and that's one of the saddest things is when he, when like they kind of confront them and say, Hey, this was just a show. And they're like, they get so defeated from yeah. that even being a, like a mild consideration. Yeah. That's so sad. It's, it's so sad. That was <laughs> well. you watched, did you watch the documentary? Yeah. 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 The, um, when they share that story of Alan Rickman and Tim Allen, where he uh, gets really emotional during that scene mm-hmm. and then like has to take a break because Tim Allen is like fully in it and his heart is breaking and he's having a really hard time with it. Yeah. And he they they get it and then he needs to like walk away and Alan Rickman says, I think he just discovered acting. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it is, it's such like, I don't know, it's such a touching moment. And it's something I'm so cognizant of, like, even as a Star Trek fan, like, I don't like saying what's real and what's fake in Star Trek, because I feel like Star Trek is real to so many of us. And so it's not fake. It's just a different universe. You know, it's a fictional universe, but it's not made up. I mean, it is made up, but it's not it's not that it doesn't exist. You know, it it exists in parts in our souls. And um, and I just think that Galaxy Quest captures that feeling so well. It does. And and that's what I've always felt is that like sci fi and fantasy does um very well especially with things like you know dr wood or um let's say dr wood dr who and torchwood um yeah is that they can handle and, and even star trek does this they can handle very dark or topical storylines or very emotional ones but it kind of gets under the radar because you throw it under the the context of like oh it's aliens in space it's not really us you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's talking about the vietnam war or racism, but uh, it's aliens in space, so it doesn't really count. And it kind of <laughs> yeah. like seeps into the social network about you know and of of what our problems are, and and talk about these things that you can't talk about on normal shows. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, especially too, no one's going to like a a Cheers convention or like a <laughs> Partridge Family convention. Are there? Not to hate on Partridge Family fans, but it's like <laughs> you know these things have huge fan bases and people love them for a reason, I think. Well, and that, and that's, what's so beautiful about the meta-ness I think of galaxy quest is that like star Trek fandom exists because it creates a universe in which we want to live. 
and yeah. Galaxy Quest shows us a universe in which people actually live in, you know, yeah. <laughs> and what that looks like. And to then, of course, have the story on top of it that it, the actors have to find that within themselves. God, it's such a goddamn movie. Like, I'm such a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because then they go on this journey, too, rather than just being, yeah. you know, just kind of... Um, washed out actors or doing the con scene and like, no, they actually mean stuff to certain people and they can actually do good in the world. And then I think, which is makes it even more topical now is how then they reboot the show, which is yeah. what's happening now. Everyone's rebooting a show and, you know, the continuation of like the next gen cast and all that. It's like, this is, it kind of just feeds back into itself. And I love how they treat Tim Allen's character in that, in that he's got that sort of Shatner-esque like ego about him that, yeah, kind of what to expect you know that he he loves the attention it's the thing that kind of keeps him going carries his entire career is playing this character but then when given this sort of quirky group of people who are legitimately believing it mm -hmm. he like steps up to the plate which i really like you know i yeah. he makes fun of the fans right up until it's like not a joke anymore and then he steps up which is awesome he dives right in. I think he's like, this is the role I've always wanted is to be the actual hero, not like a fake hero on yeah. like a role, but to be a hero for someone. Yeah, exactly. He realizes that that's what he was missing was actually just being that character. It is. And uh, I think all of their characters go on a bit of a journey, especially like, like I love Sigourney Weaver, just with her role, yeah. she's like, I have one job and it's the stupidest job, but I'm going to do it. And she just repeats what, what the computer says and there's no point to it. Yeah, <laughs> but, she, exactly. but she's amazing. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, I love um, one of my favorite scenes with Sigourney Weaver is when they're first like encountering the bad guy. And he goes and he gives her the kill gesture. And she's like, yeah, yeah right, you know? And, like, <laughs> and then uh, he's like, hey, I told you to cut the comms. She's like, no, you just said we were dead. I was just going with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They are dead. Yeah. 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 And then um, I like to uh, Tony Shalhoub is great in this as well. He's very like kind of straight man. He just kind of is like, oh, this is cool. And like. Yeah. Uh, but, but then you have the contrast with like Sam Rockwell being guy who's like, like all of this is weird. All of this doesn't make any sense. Like when they land on the the planet with the shuttle and they just open the door <laughs> and Tony Shalhoub's like, it smells fine. And is then Sam Rockwell air? freaks out. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but he's like kind of that realistic one. He's like, we don't know any of this. Yeah. We're just guessing. He is the, I think he really is the great bridge between the professionals and the fans. You know, he's the fan yeah. that got to be a professional for it. And he wants to milk that for his entire life and career. And oh, I just, I love it so much where, yeah, I think too, where they're like, they try to approach the little aliens on the planet and he grabs them. He's like, did you guys ever watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dies. They're, they're <laughs> minors, not minors. I love that. I still quote that with David all the time. Oh, it's so good. It's minors, not minors. It's funny. So my my daughter goes to junior high and their mascot is a minor. So every time I see the sign, I'm like, they're minors, not minors. Oh, no, that's so dangerous. Every time. Every time. Every morning at drop off. I'm like, they're minors. Oh, so I love it. it's so good. Love it. Um, 
especially I think one of the thing with the uh, I think people relate to the Thermians. Yeah. So, so much because and I've seen some great cosplayers yeah. uh, do Thermians because um, they're a little bit of that kind of maybe more hardcore fan that's inside all of us a little bit because we can all be like that. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're also just so naive and you want them to be like because they're they're so excited for these characters and to like, you know, to to meet uh, um, uh, Dr. What's Ellen Rickman's character? Dr. Lazarus. Like, Dr. like the guy Lazarus. who's so excited to meet Dr. Lazarus. And then yeah. when he dies and you're like, oh, my God, that was so heartbreaking, oh. too. Yeah. I think what's wonderful about the Thermians is they're like an, a pure version of the fans. It's mm-hmm. really like people who just they saw it, they thought they could be it. And so they became it. You know, yeah. and it's like that, you know, watching Star Trek, you just, you see it and you're like, God, I just, I want, I want to live like that. I want that to be real. But we're so jaded by the society around us that it's like, that's not an option to live like that. And people make fun of you if you try to do that. And right. that's, I think, what's so cathartic about watching the Thermians just purely embrace galaxy quest you know like as a show and and the culture and because they don't have that thing of like well why wouldn't we you know this is a great culture why wouldn't i embrace this um you know it reminds me of the west wing episode where uh josh confronts the woman who's wearing the star trek badge in the west wing and um did i say the west wing yeah i I haven't seen west wing okay well you need to correct that but I know Phil Phil has been on me for years to watch the West Wing. It's like shockingly good. Like (laughs) I can guarantee I'll build it up as much as possible and it's still going to exceed your expectations. (laughs) The only there's a clip that I always see and it's the John Billingsley clip where he's explaining how the map is wrong. That that always kind of like circles around every like year or so. Yeah, I see that one. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, there's there's an episode, and to be honest, as a Star Trek fan, it's a little bit cruel. But, you know, one of the characters that we kind of follow and root for, um, he finds a staffer who's in the White House who's wearing um, a Star Trek badge. Okay. And he makes her take it off because he's basically like, look, this is really unprofessional. Like, you can't be wearing this here. You can't be a nerd. You know, <laughs> you can't wear your fandoms on your sleeve. We have a rule to perceive and... Of course, I'm siding with the staffer, right? Of course. <laughs> but um, but she ends up kind of really pushing back against him. And she's like, no, like, these are the ideals that we're looking for. Like, this is... But, you know, ultimately, he still wins because of the stigma of what it's like to be a fan of this, like, nerdy TV show. When really, it's the ideals and the um, the purity of the message that we just strive to have in life. And society just rejects it because it's awful. <laughs> it is. Do you think yeah. that scene would be written the same today or it's a very early 90s where nerd culture was like not the same as it is now? Um, Honestly, I think it probably would have pendulum swung a couple times. I think it would mm. st- it would still be written today slightly different, but with the same theme, you know, yeah. and. Now, she probably, these days, she probably would have ended up maybe being able to at least stand her ground and continue wearing it. But um, but I do think it's swung a little bit back 
in the sense of like, you got to be a professional. You got to yeah. hide this stuff, you know? Like, yeah, we know nerd culture exists. We know most of us are watching it at this point, but just bury it under a pantsuit, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, though, because I've seen, I, I would say, especially over the past maybe 10, five years, is that like tattoos are more accepted because especially like being being a nurse you know we're supposed to be professional and we can't have you know things in us and we have to look a certain part but a lot of companies have dropped like oh you you know you can show tattoos now or you can do this so i think it's it's getting there but it's 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 always like it's like two steps forward one back yeah no i agree i agree i think it's getting there and then there's because there's like accepting a flower tattoo on the wrist and then there's accepting a giant tattoo of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> means that you're cooler. You're so much cooler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I, but I do think like that's that's part of the draw of. I mean, there's many draws of Galaxy Quest, but one of them is just the Thermians' mm-hmm. full embrace of that Starfleet-esque culture. That it's like. I mean, I remember being in grad school and literally just wanting to be at Starfleet, like just wishing that that's where I was whole genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just didn't exist. And if there was a way that I could incorporate that more in my life, like I would have. And so I think that's that's what's so pure about seeing the Thermians. And it's interesting that they I mean, obviously, they're more technologically advanced, so they could build spaceships and all these things but just the fact that they decided like hey this is a good model why don't we just do that let's just change our society and like have these ideals can you imagine like if the 60s or like in the or in the other 90s when next gen came out and they're like let's just follow this this is a good idea i know and i do think like gene roddenberry as problematic as he was like i think that's part of what he hoped for when he wrote star trek was that people would see it especially in like the late 60s you know which were <laughs> as <laughs> yeah just as it's not i can't imagine them being more stressful than they are now but on par with the level of stress of our society situation right now sure and just hoping that he could put the type of show in front of people that they would look at and be like no like why shouldn't we have you know sulu Chekhov, uhura all of these people on the bridge professionally you know, yeah. working together, representing humanity. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's it's weird what seems so ludicrous and out there, you know, even five years ago, but let alone 50 years ago than it is now. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, it, and that's what's great about Galaxy Quest is that it it, it touches on, the, on that as well, you know, through the, the Thermians and how they kind of change their society. But then it also touches on, yes, we... We know it's a TV show. We're going to make fun of ourselves for it, but I'm still going to go in costume and get someone's autograph. So it's like this. Right. Balance. <laughs> well, and I love just, uh, it was, I was really, I was really reflecting on Galaxy Quest today. Not that I don't do that on a regular basis, but um, <laughs> that, you know, it's like there is an A story. Like there's mm-hmm. one story to Galaxy Quest. The actors get picked up by aliens. They have to help the aliens save the day. But there's like these B and C stories that run so parallel to that main story of 
the actors finding themselves, you know, finding their own confidence, having the aliens like learn and find have the aliens find their own confidence in mm-hmm. who they are that that it's like embracing the fact that it is a TV show, but why should that change how we do anything, right? Like right. And it's the same with the actors that they go through and they're like, holy shit, like I have to like make all this up. Like I don't know any of this. And then they roll their sleeves up and they figure it out. And I just think like if I had to pick a thesis in Galaxy Quest, it would be finding your own confidence. Yeah. And I think that that does fit really well because because like you said, yeah, all the all the actors go through that. Um Tim Allen does kind of finding that he wants to be, be the hero and fulfill that um, with Alan Rickman. He goes from hating this character. Cause he's like, you know, I'm the professional Shakespearean actor wearing a stupid head. And then by the end, he's like, you know, people are dying for him and he's like, I will fucking avenge you. And he is like yeah. all, all on board. And it's like each one of them have their little, these, these, these beats and moments where you can see that, that change for each one. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, and I love too when Tommy like learns how to fly the ship. You know, yeah. <laughs> like they're all like breaking off what to do, and they're like, "Learn to fly, dude." <laughs> it's like it was based off of you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, oh God, man. so good. So good. Do you have? I mean, this is probably one of the most quotable ones. This is up there with like Money Python or like some other stuff. But like, yeah. are there some favorite? moments for you like aside from the the entire thing god damn seriously so i don't know it's so funny as we were like about to record this i ended up in a galaxy quest quote off on twitter um because someone posted this prompt that was essentially like what quote from a tv or movie would you hear that you knew that person was going to be your friend Mm -hmm. and so for me (laughs) immediately was is there air? You don't know. Because <laughs> it's like, it's just, you know, never give up, never surrender. Everyone knows that. But yeah. is there air? That's a deep cut. Um, but then it reminded me of a story, because that is exactly literally what happened, where I was with a friend at TwitchCon like four years ago, and we were sharing a hotel room with another friend of hers. So this is a friend of a friend I'd never met before. We ended up, I don't even know how it started, discovering that we were both deeply obsessed with Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Spent the entire night, and I'm so sorry, Susie, this mutual friend who had to deal with this, <laughs> quoting the film, <laughs> like, beginning to end. Because it is the most, quote, like you said, it's on par with Monty Python, honestly, in oh, terms yeah. of being able to quote it. Um, I love, oh God, there's so many good moments. <laughs> it really are. is a perfect movie. I would say, is there air? You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anything Alan Rickman says. Yep. <laughs> um, that makes sense. <laughs> honestly, the landing party on that planet, which again, was filmed, if anyone doesn't know this, in Goblin Valley in Utah. And okay. if you have a chance to go there, it looks like that planet. 
it's freaking weird. Literally, cool. it's like stacked rocks on top of each other. It looks like an alien world. It's very, very bizarre. I went around touching every single rock there, hoping that I touched the same rocks that Alan or That's the fun one. <laughs> yeah. I would do that. It's like going to like Vasquez Rock and you got to like touch everything. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, there's, there's part of your soul is there. So you have to embrace Absolutely. it. Um, yeah, I, oh, fighting the rock monster is hilarious. <laughs> when they beam it up and it comes up, like, inside out. It's like, explode. yeah, that's so <laughs> they're good. they're all like, ah! Inside out, I, and it exploded. <laughs> it's so good. Well, and, and I think that even kind of is a little bit of, like, what we think in Star Trek is like. Like, what if the transporter did go terribly wrong? And, like, just, which it does. But it, it's, like, all these other kind of little, like, inside jokes as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because you expect it on the show to work every single time. And then suddenly someone's yep. like in charge of doing it. And then he beams up this life form that is inside out. And then it explodes <laughs> in the most horrifying way possible. That's oh, so my good. God. It's so good. It's so good. I just feel oh. for, uh, yeah, for for Sam Rockwell, because he just gets like, because that like explodes on him. He's gets like covered in goop <laughs> all the time. That poor, poor man. That poor, poor man. It's so funny because I find it seems like people are still discovering Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Like it's like a cult classic that has, it's not hit its peak. It's like still being discovered, but it's more and more all the time. Because I think there's so many people sort of like our age who have the stigma of Tim Allen, you know? Mm. So they're like, oh, the guy from Home Improvement. Like, there's no way this weird sci-fi comedy is any good starring Tim Allen. And you just chip away at those people. <laughs> You're like, no, this movie's brilliant. Yeah, it's, well, and he even kind of plays a little bit of himself, I think. When yeah. it's it's that, that Kirk kind of, kind of ego at the start, which then goes through some ups and downs and then by the end you're like yeah this is a guy who should be a captain of a ship yeah and what's weird is that tim allen i don't think has ever played that level of self-awareness like before or after oh yeah you know yeah yeah well especially like the yeah those like late 90s home improvement santa claus like this was very different so different and so like you said so self-aware like he makes fun of his own self seriousness in it you know that mm-hmm. uh and i i remember from that documentary they were talking about how galaxy quest came at this pivotal time for him when home improvement was ending and he was having to deal with this like rebirth of like is he going to be branded as this character forever and he really fought for the character um of jason nesmith yeah <laughs> so, it's funny that his name is like that because I always think of Toy Story where because I was Mrs. Nesbitt like when he's when, yeah. when Buzz is like drunk off a of tea. And then yeah. Jason Nesbitt, it's it's too similar. Yeah. It really is really similar. Um, uh, what else? I mean, like, what else can you say about this one? It's just this is one of those ones like if you just want to put in a good comedy and feel good yeah. by the by the end of it. Um. And have good emotional beats, like because especially that that ending where they come crashing back into the con, yeah, you know, full costume and like oh hundreds God, of fans. Yes. It's so. Oh. Good. I wish they could do that now. 
I know. Well, we talked at the beginning kind of about the culture at that time of conventions being this very niche thing and like fandom and what shows were like. And again, like I said, when I watched Galaxy Quest, I I was tangentially aware of Star Trek fandom, but I was still in the world of fandom. And yeah. for me, that was the X-Files. And yeah. so when Gourney Weaver and Tim Allen kiss at the end in the convention and the girl passes out, like... That, in my mind, when I watched that, I was immediately like, I'm at an X-Files convention, and Mulder and Scully just made out. Like, I would have passed out in 1999 if I saw those two make out on a stage. (laughs) It'd be amazing. Zero question in my mind. I would have lost my brain. (laughs) Why do I have a feeling that there was probably a good amount of fanfic uh, for that show back then? I... Yeah. <laughs> For a lot of people. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of like the first, like, we talk about like one true pairings, you know, in the yeah. fanfic world. Like, who is your couple? Whether yeah. or not they ended up together, who you desperately believed in. Mulder and Scully are definitely up there for me. Yeah. I need to go back and watch that. I'm going through Quantum Leap right now. Like the, the original Quantum Leap. The original. Nice. Yeah. It was ten dollars on DVD. I got the entire series for ten bucks. I was like, sold and good. And but I like I want to go through all those kind of like classic '90s, you know, Babylon Five, um, yeah, X Files, those things that I just never got into originally for whatever reason. Uh, and no, just like dive. I think, yeah, and I think what's great is the X Files really holds up. Babylon yeah. Five is great, but also requires your full attention. You cannot do anything while you watch Babylon 5, okay. um, for better or worse. It's so good, but if you're, like, folding laundry, you're going to have to pause <laughs> and rewind constantly <laughs> while you're watching it. But okay. speaking of that, though, like, I feel like there's a lot of comedy from the 80s and 90s and classic movies and television that, like, we hold on to and we hold really dear that is very uncomfortable to watch these days. Oh, Yeah. You know, because of like how society has grown <laughs> and for the better and yep. learned what is appropriate and what's not and how to not appropriate cultures and how to not exclude cultures or mock cultures. And like there are some shows and films that have kind of withstood a lot of that. And I think Galaxy Quest is one of those, you know, like Galaxy Quest is a show like a film that I really don't hesitate to show my stepkids because sure. I'm like, they're not going to be cringing throughout it with all the awful references. And, you know, yeah, there are there's a little bit of like over sexualization of like Sigourney Weaver's character. But honestly, as far as mid to late 90s comedy goes, it's held up pretty well. That's true. Um, There's not a lot of I mean, yeah, they kind of make fun of nerd culture, but that's. But I get where they're going with it and like fans as, yeah. as general. But yeah, but they're not making fun of like a specific ethnic group or orientation or anything. Yeah, which is vastly different than a lot of the 90s were a wild time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I showed yeah. a movie to my kids. It was like from the 80s and like five minutes in, I go, uh, don't listen to that part. That's completely wrong. We'll just watch the rest of it. It's fine. <laughs> just just yeah. ignore this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But that's that's one of those things that that is a good thing where you can show them something that holds up pretty well, you know, um, yeah. still has good values. It's good. It's still funny, I think, you know, because it, it, yeah. it's topical even now. I think it's probably more so now, given how big 
conventions are. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, just all nerd stuff in general. And again, the tone of the comedy isn't punching down. It's not, it's laughing with, not laughing at. And like, I watch it as a nerd who goes to conventions, who is a fangirl who obsesses over like couples and pairings and would have, and I own many Starfleet uniforms and I never watch it and feel bad about myself. Like, I never feel like I'm being made fun of. And I just yeah. think that's so successful. Like I think lower decks mm-hmm. hit that with um, the way that they quote make fun of Star Trek. I think Galaxy Quest makes fun of Star Trek in the same way that it's like it's done with so much love mm-hmm. that it because we all know that feeling as the subject of those jokes. If like you laugh at it, but you feel that little pit in your stomach, you're like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> yep. I really don't ever feel that with when I watch Galaxy Quest genuinely. Yeah, that that makes sense. It does. Um it's what's I don't know. Do you? Is it just me or? No, I I think originally, and and I think probably when I first saw it, I think I was a little snobby as far as Star Trek and sci-fi <laughs> stuff, which okay. I will admit that you know because I think originally I did see it as like making fun of fans, um, but give it some time and some reflection, you're like. Yeah, but again, it's doing it w- with love. Because I always remember those yeah. uh, stories of like when it came out, you know, it's um, what when the TNG films were kind of happening, Deep Space Nine was going and they're like, you know, I heard that, you know, Patrick Stewart was mad because it's making fun of this. And and then yeah. once, but then once you see it, they're like, no, this is a really good film. And it's there is a lot of love to it. So I I appreciate it so much more now uh, than I yeah. did 23 years ago. Yeah. And it was, like you said, when it came out, nerds and nerd culture were the butt of so many jokes that I think it was hard to separate yourself from that. Because I think, wasn't 99 when um, The Phantom Menace came out as well? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so So this big Star Wars revival. Yeah. And then a movie making fun of Star Trek. Witnessing, and you're also witnessing all the Star Wars fans who are, like, waiting for hours to see this movie, like, standing in line... For ages, kids mm. back in the day, you couldn't buy tickets to your movie. Like <laughs> you had to stand in line <laughs> for a long ass time. I still um, do that. That is so ingrained in my memory. I'm like, okay, we have to get there 30 minutes early and get snacks and go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh no, we don't have to do that anymore. I'm we so have reserved that. seats now that I get to stay online. It's so yep. great. <laughs> yeah. But it, I just yeah, I do yeah. I do remember, like you said, the Star Trek films were big. Uh, the TNG films were big. Phantom Menace was coming out. Like nerd culture, was the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah. Um, and Galaxy Quest, you could very easily, like you said, kind of feel sensitive to it and be defensive of it. But when you look at it now, you're like, no, it was. They were never making really fun of us. It was just. It is what it's like. It is what it's like. Let's be yeah, perfectly honest. Is. They fully capture what conventions <laughs> feel like. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, you got just fans asking weird questions in yep. line for autographs, you know, and then people hawking all kinds of shit with like merchandise and everything, and just 
the bad Q and A's and it's just, it's so good. It's, it makes yeah. so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I always love the, the cues of people going up for, um, Dr. Lazarus's autograph as Alan Rickman yeah. and quoting the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> like, he just grabs like, the photo. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you said, like it, it comes full circle because then he, and I think we've seen this too with so many of the actors who mm-hmm. may have had that attitude at one time, maybe didn't fully understand, maybe still don't, but they go through that same realization after going to conventions for a few times and they start to see the impact that these characters have on people's lives yeah. and they start to respect it a lot more and it starts to mean a lot more to them than just a poster and a publicity photograph that they have to look at for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's what I like too, is, is especially with Tim Allen, especially with, um, with his character is it's that, that growth. Yeah. Or or even, you know, with uh, Dr. Lazarus as well, or with, um, Mm -hmm. cause you get different sides of it. You've got like Alan Rickman who hates this. He's like, I was such a well-respected actor. I took this, you know, for the job, for the money. And now this is all I'm known for. And then with Tim Allen's is where he is like full force. I will always be this character. I will always be a God among these, these people and just kind of see them balance out and get more respect for each other. And I think for the show and for the fans is, is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that too. Cause you, it's not, I guess it's something I knew subconsciously, but you also get to see their interpersonal relationships grow. That they're, yeah. like you said, the the respect that Alan Rickman and Tim Allen's characters have for each other by the end when mm-hmm. they've had to, um, you know, like when they stage the fight to take over the bad guys and yeah. play up their hatred for each other because they know that's what they can play off of. But yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's so, it's like meta on like eight different levels. <laughs> So freaking good. <laughs> One of my favorites is uh, it's towards the beginning when they're kind of in that green room for the convention, and yeah. it just it just shows how much they these these characters as the actors have have been doing this for years. And Tim Allen walks in, he's like, "Okay, have, are are you complaining yet? Is yeah. is he suicidal and like gonna rip off his you know prosthetic yet? And like he knows what the beats of this are gonna be because they've been doing this for years." <laughs> Has Alexander had his breakdown yet? Yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. Drops the makeup brush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I fear, I really fear that people can go back on this podcast and listen in every time we mention Alan Rickman or Dr. Lazarus. I give a giggle that is like <laughs> very unique to this character. But I he's love it. so good. He's, he's so, so good. Well, I just haven't told yeah. you yet, but but I'm going to uh, try to convince you to do a whole podcast about Alan Rickman and Tim Curry. That's the whole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I broke you. <laughs> Worms are everywhere. <laughs> well, see, because then we can do. I freaking kryptonite. Like, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Not only will the conversation go on for about three hours, but it will be mostly incoherent. <laughs> I am there for it. <laughs> the next convention I see you at after I've had a few drinks, I'm just going to start. I'm going to watch like a bunch of like Alan Rickman, Tim Curry, 
and Jeff yeah. Goldblum films and just start quoting them randomly and just like just just to mess with you. <laughs> that is my goal. Or a thousand percent like my uh, kryptonite trifecta. Um, but I will say, like Alan Rickman, what's so wonderful is that um, he he is that character, like Alexander, like this Shakespearean actor who got relegated to a high franchise role, mm-hmm. but um, which happened after filming Galaxy Quest. Um, but honestly, like with his whole. Um, library of wonderful characters this is still galaxy quest is still my favorite like it really is because i think he's so committed to it and it's the same Gourney weaver too like they could have phoned this in Mm -hmm. and not cared like they could have walked in and just been like whatever and i think they just really connected with the core of their characters as very well-respected, well-trained actors in a very surreal setting, and they freaking sell it. And I just, the two of them, my respect goes through the roof for both of them and how they are in Galaxy Quest. It's just, yeah, for both some of their best roles. They committed, I mean, like, they know what they're in, but they're giving it their all. They are. Yeah, they're believable. They are, yeah. You can tell when people are just there to collect a paycheck and they're like, they'll do it and they'll do it well. But then when people have put the thought into what this means and are able to translate that onto the screen. Yeah. It's kind of that same vibe I get from like Michael Caine in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Like he is a hundred percent like stage. Like this is everything. And then you've got Kermit, you know, dancing and singing. That's no. great. Fuck that movie. I'm sorry I... for the language. Screw that movie. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> you can say whatever yeah. you want. That Michael Caine. Oh, Muppet's Christmas Carol is a perfect movie that I, I can never watch. Because I cry so hard, I give myself a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> that movie breaks me. That's and, understandable. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I know. I well, because you're gonna have to come back and talk about a uh, Treasure Island. Oh, that's next. Muppet Treasure years. Island. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island. Oh my god, that's next. <laughs> I'll do every Muppet movie. I love the Muppets oh, god, to me no too. end. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, Muppet Treasure Island's my favorite. <laughs> Sold. Done. Um. All right, let me. I'm gonna say this. My, I think one of my probably last favorite scenes is when they're in like okay. the bowels of the ship, and yes. they come to that scene where like those big chompy things, and they're like, "What the fuck is this? Like, who puts this here?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, who wrote that? Whoever wrote this episode should die. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And like Sigourney Weaver actually says, "What the fuck?" And then they have to like dub it and put something else in for the rating. Yeah, she says, screw this. Yeah. Uh, when very clearly says, fuck this. Yep. <laughs> like, you, it's not a cutaway. It's not an ADR. You look at her face and she says, fuck <laughs> this. And what comes out of her mouth is, screw this. And there's no matching it. Nope. There's no way to make it work. And they did that to keep a, a PG rating. Yeah. And, I uh, wish they had gone PG-13 because you're allowed one, one F-bomb. Yeah. For 13, yeah. and that would have been just like gold. 
It's a good one to drop. Um, it is. But again, too, if people haven't watched the documentary, I highly recommend it. Like, it's yeah. a really good insight into making films in general, to be honest. Yeah. It's, I, I, I have a weird obsession with those, like, behind the scenes. Like, Netflix has a whole, the, like, movies that made us. Oh, I love behind the love scenes it. stuff. Like that's always, that's, that's my, my inner film school nerd that never got to go into the film industry. That's, that's what it is. (laughs) Absolutely. And like, what I think is so fascinating for me, especially when I watch like the galaxy quest one or the movies that made us is how close movies get to not being made. Oh yeah. Just, and you think about how many movies actually don't get made because of all of this Hollywood bullshit. And like Galaxy Quest went through some serious ups and downs before it became what it was. And I'm just so grateful that we have it and that it lives on and people love it, you know? And it is definitely worth a watch. If, if, if you have not seen it, like go watch the movie. It's so good. And you spoiled everything, but it's so good. Like even if you you can, you absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you know all the jokes, Still go watch it because they're they're still hilarious. They're they're still stuff that I I catch every time. We did manage to not spoil the entire movie, so that was good. Um, yeah. Any final favorite scenes for me? I think the last one I would throw out there is when they get their asses handed to them in the first battle. Yeah. And they're like moaning, and everyone's damaged, and the ship is shot to hell, and they're like. Alexander, where are you going? <laughs> Alan Rickman goes to see if there's a pub. <laughs> <laughs> pub. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's something so, David and I always quote is from uh, Shaun of the Dead when we're like, so we're like pub? pub, 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 pub. I, I'm, I, I'm a sucker for a good pub. So me too. Me too. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming and doing this. Um, and you are welcome back anytime. I, I think we have a laundry list of films that we could do. Yep. Yep. We're going to do, so, so far we're going to do Muppet Treasure Island next. And then yes. some sort of combination of Alan Rickman and Tim Curry and maybe Jeff Goldblum. Although that's a lot for Oof. an hour. So we may have to pace it out. <laughs> have, have any of them ever worked together? No. Oh, that's I would, like the I trifecta. Would know. I know. You would know. I yeah. Know. You're, Brains would explode. I would die. I would die. I would... Oh so my god! We'll have gosh. to get. We'll have to get. So we'll we'll do like well because you like Jurassic Park. We can do oh, that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Let's my, Jurassic Park. Uh, my first Tim Curry movie was Clue, and I I love Clue oh, to no Clue. end. Yeah. Clue is great. I I have but a long list. Muppet Treasure Island comes first. That's my Muppet favorite. Treasure Island. That's my favorite Tim Curry, and then Clue and Jurassic Park. Oh. So, so, many good. so many great movies. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Of course. I love, I always love talking about Star Trek, but I also love talking about all my other weird random obsessions. So this is very fun. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Awesome. Okay. Um, where can people find you to, you know, online and all, all the interwebs stuff? Uh, increasingly little on Twitter. <laughs> At- yeah. It's a hellscape. Yeah. It's, at Dr. Aaron Mac, D-R-E-R-I-N-M-A-C. But honestly, I'm starting to do so much cool stuff behind scenes that like I'm kind of downgrading my outward facing social media a little bit just so I can focus on writing and not get into Twitter arguments about the best Tim Curry film. <laughs> <laughs> 
fine. Fine. Let me slide <laughs> just one time. Right. But also people should check out Star Trek, my first book of space. And that's out now. Makes great Christmas presents. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Well, thank you. And yeah, we will do Muppet Treasure Island next. That's, yes. that's on my list. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, go check out our website, thenerdtrek.com. Listen to our other podcasts if you want. I can't make you. I'm not your real dad. Um, and whatever. Or, and listen to our stuff. And um, that's it. Thanks for watching, everybody. And enjoy the show. <laughs>